we need to talk about the motherhood penalty. A penalty that only mothers pay when they become parents. A penalty that strikes your lifetime earnings, your retirement savings and your career. A penalty that for me took me by surprise and off-ramped my first career. My name is Emma McLean and in this series we're going to do just that. We are going to talk all about the motherhood penalty. Get curious about the system that creates it and talk to experts about what we can do to smash it. It's going to be practical, punchy and peppered with laughter. A little like me. If this sounds good to you, let's get into it. Welcome back to How to Smash the Motherhood Penalty, a podcast where we're getting curious about this thing called the motherhood penalty, curious about the system that creates it, and curious about the solutions that are going to smash it. And today, in vivid Zoom 2023 style, I am delighted to have Darwin Stewart, who is the Chief Executive of the YWCA in Tāmaki Makaurau. Welcome, Darwin. Kia ora, great to be here. <laughs> Kia ora. Let's start at the beginning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about all the strands of the work that you weave and however else you'd like to introduce yourself. Thank you. It's great to join you. I am so lucky to be in my happy place working with and for and beside uh, young women in Auckland and New Zealand. I didn't know it was my happy place until about, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago. We're always, always encouraging people to find their sense of purpose in their work. And I guess I'm a, I'm a slow adapter to that, but it is such cup filling work and also sadly still very necessary work that mm. needs to be done. I'm a mother myself. So I'm raising three fierce feminists, two daughters and a son. I also a few years ago, discovered that in our philanthropy in New Zealand, as around the world, most of the charitable dollar goes to organisations other than women's organisations. So I brought a concept here called the Women's Funds, and we've got five of those started now around New Zealand. That is women pooling their philanthropic giving and giving it to women's organisations. I think it's very, very much needed. As you said, I'm also the CEO of, of The Why, and I have been doing that role for about five years. And in the course of that, have also founded the Mind the Gap movement, which hopefully most New Zealanders now know about because uh, we've been running such a big campaign for a couple of years and one that's had, had a big impact. And I find myself mentoring and I guess doing that to a kind of attain a big sister role with lots of young people. And it again is, is such a, a great experience because it's really changed how I see our future mm. and mm. the challenges that we have. Um, so I'm learning all the time from them mm. and offering a bit of, a bit of aged wisdom as well. Yep. <laughs> oh, beautiful. So a full life of learning and the best is yet to come, I bet, for you. So I love that. couple of things I want to pick up on. Mind the gap, right? I hope everyone who is listening to this has heard of that. And one thing I'm really keen about is to help people to be able to describe some of this stuff in words that is comfortable for them to use. And the pay gap, being able to talk about what the pay gap is, is something that I've struggled with. 
some people I think think it's like, well, there's a fair pay act or something, so it must be fixed by now. And and so I want to ask you, Delwyn, like, what is the pay gap? Yeah, great question. I think there's about six different terms that all sound <laughs> kind of the same um, yeah. and all mean something slightly different. Mm. So going back 50 years ago to the 1970s, that was when it was routine to pay women about 60% of what we paid men in New Zealand. An act was brought in called the Equal Pay Act in 1972. And what it did was it said that for the same work, you have to pay the same amount mm. of money. Mm-hmm. So that's generally called equal pay. Mm-hmm. So if you're a plumber and Bob's a plumber, then you both get rewarded in the same way. But the pay gap is different to that because what it does is it takes the average overall earnings of men and compares those to the average overall earnings of women. NZ Stats do it once a year here in New Zealand, and it is Uh, as of this year, sitting at 8.6% for all women versus all men. And that's not a significant change in either direction based on what it was last year and pretty much what it's been for for the last decade. So it's kind of stuck and we do need to do something different because Mm. obviously what we're currently doing is not working. And that was really where Mind the Gap came along to say, okay, the act's turning 50 years old. Those anniversaries are always good times to focus people's attention on what's not working and what we could do better. And we felt we had a good chance of getting some change in place. So one of the things we've done is encouraged businesses to look at and measure their own pay gap. So as well as having one for the for the country, you can look at your workplace and mm. go, what is the difference between the average amount that I pay men versus the average amount I pay women? And what the pay gap calculation gets you to see versus equal pay, so same pay for same job, is where women might be stuck in a in an organization or actually just not appear. And often what we see is that in the senior levels of organizations, there's no women. In the entry level area of organizations, it's almost all women. So that creates that pay gap because you've got women largely at the bottom end of the earning scales versus men all at the top end. And no business sets out to have a pay gap. You know, it's mm. not it's some sort of a um, proactive agenda but it's a reflection of societal ways, I guess. So once a business measures that and sees the pay gap, they can go, oh, now I know. I can see that I'm not getting any women into my top tier levels. And often this happens for a couple of reasons that are about our biology. And one of those is having children. And one of those is menopause and the effect that has on on senior women opting out. So that allows businesses then to go, well, actually, I can do something about this. I need to change my leave policy. I need to encourage my men and my women to both be taking parenting leave. I need to make sure that when I see applicants for senior roles that I'm asking that I see an equal amount of women and men. So there's things that businesses can do to Mm. actually start to close those pay gaps. Mm, Beautiful. Love it. And I love, before this call, you corrected me because I called this the gender pay gap. And you said, can we talk about it as the pay gap? Tell me why that's important for everyone listening. Yeah, so our pay gap, as I said, has been stuck around 10% for 10 years. And I think we're about the fourth best in the world. There's a bit of complacency around that number. So one of the things we really pushed with Mind the Gap was to look at the ethnic pay gap, to look at the pay gap for our Māori and for our Pacific brothers and sisters. And when we started this work, the pay gap was at around 25% to 20% for both those groups. 
So you can see at the points of intersection where you've got gender and ethnicity, there is much more discrimination happening. So we need to be able to focus on those numbers to draw attention to the fact that it's not just about gender, it's also about ethnicity, it's about race, it's about disability, it's about sexuality. We need to kind of get under the hood and really understand what's going on. Mm, brilliant. Love, love that distinction. And I think it's a really good thing for people to get curious about. What I'll do in the show notes for this as well is I'll put some links to stuff that if you're interested in the pay gap that you can go to. When I say the words, the motherhood penalty, I think it means different things to different people, depending on whether you've had a lived experience, whether you've seen it play out. But for you, Delwyn, what comes up when I say motherhood penalty? Actually, the first thing that always comes up for me is, I guess, my own lived experience, Mm. which is probably true for all of us. But I was, I think, 32 and I started a new job, very excited about my new job, and uh, then discovered that I was pregnant with my first child. And my boss was the head of HR at this organization. And so I had to go to him and say, within just a few weeks of starting, look, I'm sorry, I didn't know, but I am actually pregnant. And he turned around to me and he said, oh, I would never have employed you if I'd known that. (laughs) Not laughing, not laughing, crying. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, crying. That's right. So, yeah, what what is that? That's, you know, 20 or 30 years ago now, but that's my experience of it, like right from the outset, that you, you're you not seen as a reliable employee if you um, are going to go off and have babies. I mean, it's changed a lot. There are some just amazing organisations doing great things out there. But for me, I guess, theoretically, it's about the different impacts that you face when you are the parent who carries and delivers the child and feeds it. Everything from how much you're putting away for your retirement to getting considered for progression and therefore pay increases just for that loss of earnings um, over that time. And the kind of trade-offs that you make if you're in a couple of, of, okay, well, who's going to do what and what does that mean for each of our earning capacity and our future careers? And it's still tough. Mm. It's still a dance that people have to do. It's a dance. It's a juggle. All these metaphors we use, which make it sound fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, coming back to the pay gap, I know that the World Economic Forum would say that the motherhood penalty, in quotes, accounts for a big portion of that pay gap. So if you compare average earnings of men versus average earnings of women, I imagine if you're a woman and you've gone back part-time, that reduces your earnings, right? So how do we improve our pay gap is we provide opportunities for parents to return to work while fulfilling their caregiving requirements in roles that build their careers, not sidestep them. Yeah, absolutely. That part-time work can be such a, a, a trap because... And call centres are a great example where women largely are the population in our call centres. And the reason they work there is they get flexibility. I've had employers say to me, well, look, we can't fix our pay gap because women want to work in our call centres and and Mm. that is a lower paid end of our our business. And I, I try and flip that around for them and I'm surprised they don't see it this way. I say, well, why aren't you providing that level of flexibility in your other roles? And, and tapping into that amazing talent in your call center to pull women through into other mm. roles in your organization. Mm. And so often it's about just taking the negative that people give you and just flipping it 
mm. getting them to see it as a, as a positive for their organization. And, you know, if you work part time, you're not considered serious. You're not considered, mm-hmm. as, you know, worth promoting or worth keeping up to date with everything or, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And one of our other guests sort of said, you know, when you work part time, you're on the B team. and again I think that's true that part-time needs a rebrand watch the space because I want to do something in that but so also though that sometimes and I've I've experienced this myself is that women working full-time will gatekeep and punish almost you for being a part-timer and for taking the flexible work option They'll not share information. They'll not make opportunities available. They're the epitome of that not sending the ladder down for others. Mm. And God, I would really like to see that change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this stuff is complicated, right? Like, you know, so many stories around what we've seen ourselves at work and what is helpful and what is not helpful. And it's complicated. I'm curious, do you think that dads have a different experience and what's behind the different experience for a dad? Look, sometimes I think that we're stuck in the 1950s mm. and some of the, the systems that we work within and that dads are still expected to be the main breadwinner and their careers get prioritised. But it also traps them, right, because they don't have the flexibility or feel they have permission to do things differently. What I love about working with young people is that I'm seeing generations of young men come through who absolutely are going to be taking parental leave and examples already of you know I'll take six months you take six months Mm. as much as the gender stereotypes put women in a box they put men in a box as well what I see in my work is the system isn't working for anyone right Mm. but I think if we are in this whatever you want to call it patriarchy capitalist system the person that gets penalised with the thing that we value in our society, which is money, as a mum, <laughs> yeah. you know? And the thing for me is you can read loads and loads of, there's lots of McKinsey reports around dads that take meaningful periods of parental leave are happier, healthier, better relationships, better mental health. It's a win, 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 right? And it's about how we just get that cultural shift that, you know, men feel that it's okay to take time out of their career, that that's, that's not going to hurt their career. And, and that's a really hard story to sell when it does hurt women's careers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the, the great thing is that there are examples of countries who have done things differently and are seeing the positive benefits of that. And the way that we did with Mind the Gap, look at what other countries were doing to solve their pay gaps. Um, I think we can look overseas and see those examples and actually ask our politicians to put those things in place, ask our business leaders yep. to change the way they do things. One of the areas we work in at the Y is gender at work, and we have an accreditation around gender. We try not to use the titles mother and father to talk about parenting, mm-hmm. that both parents are equal parents and they have the same needs and responsibilities in terms of looking after their family. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, language can be such a powerful thing. Language is super important. I always talk about working parents, unless I'm talking about the motherhood penalty, which no, is unique to mothers. But, you know, it's funny, isn't it, language? Because I have interviewed Tanya Demet from the Gender Justice Collective. And one of the things she said, and I really identify with it, is language is important, right? Because we say parental leave, but right now... It's not really parental leave. It's maternity leave. So in some ways, we do have to call it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think the numbers in New Zealand are like 3% of men take parental leave. But I also hear what you say is, I think this is a generation thing. I speak to a lot of young people as well who are saying, I want to take parental leave. We're going to share it six months. Amazing and bring it on. I think it's amazing. Leads me to my next question, which is there's some numbers from the Gritton Institute who have used federal treasury numbers from Australia say that in the first sort of 10 years of your family's life, when a mum and a dad's salary is equal at the start, a mum's salary will take a 60% hit over 10 years, right, depending on how many kids you have. And so I'm wondering, you know, what do you think some of the solutions are that we might be able to stop that penalty? And we've spoken about some of them, but, you know, from an individual perspective, like what can I do with my employer, with my partner, from a business perspective and from a society perspective? Yeah, so if we start with the employer, I think it's starting the conversation and having it in that paradigm of parenting and asking your employer to have equal leave for both caregivers, to drop this idea of a primary caregiver, which so many modern families, they don't, that's not the language they use, that's not the world that they live in. I think if we, if we say there's equal pay for both parents, for primary and secondary carers as employers, that will go a lot towards changing that disparity. There's the workplace system, mm. but there's also the legislative framework that we work in. And I have to say I was pretty disappointed with the political argy and bargy about leave for men, whether that fathers can take some of their parental leave and share it with their partners or whether they get extra funds for their own portion of parental leave. But immediately that says, well, you get less as a dad. And it so often happens in New Zealand that we're very incrementalist about our change rather than stepping back and going, what could make a really significant difference here? And what they found, if you look at the Scandinavian countries, and I'm always quoting the Scandinavian countries, the way they got the big change to happen was to have use it or lose it, Mm. parental leave for fathers. So it didn't become something that punished you and it didn't become something that you could bargain or 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 compromise between the two of you Mm. if you didn't take it as a father it was gone you Mm. didn't get that leave back and none of us like to miss out on something you know for free so Mm. um, it saw guys take parental leave and it's become much more of a norm in those countries Mm. why can't we do something like that here in new zealand Mm. Mm. yeah beautiful be bold why are we doing this incrementally we know this is the game changer i personally think it's the game changer because I know that if you have a dad, and to use the words dads and mums, if you have a dad at home six months, sole charge at the beginning of a family, they get it. (laughs) Yeah, they get it. And that disparity that so many of us live with where women carry the domestic labour in a a household, that drops away because men have got into the groove with their family that that's just the way they are a parent Mm. and a partner in a household. And also there's research emerging around the world about seeing domestic violence levels drop Mm. because fathers are in that nurturing role of that brand new baby, it drops down a lot of the um, the more explosiveness that can happen under stress. They're seeing a diminishing number of domestic violence incidents in that case and I think wow we so need that in New Zealand Mm, mm. yeah it's kind of like it's one thing but it it's the infrastructure for many things women are so punished because of their biology Mm. I I was reading this morning that you know the cost of menstrual products over a lifetime is twenty thousand dollars when you think about the cost of the pay gap for a Pacifica woman is four hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars over their lifetime 
and then there's the added thing of no earnings when you're when you're looking after your babies. I mean, it's tough. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that that look. I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's cr- right. We're crying. It's so, it's, we're kind of screaming, crying with Taylor Swift song. But yeah, I mean, I think in my work, acknowledging that this is tough right? Acknowledging that this is hard because we're working in a system that doesn't value caregiving. The system's broken, right? But sometimes it feels like we are broken. So I love your your thoughts around paid parental leave for all, meaningful periods of it, but also for individuals to agitate for change with their employers on that as well. What else do you think? Like, because I, I really want to equip people who listen to this with ideas because I feel like we can feel quite powerless. So what else could individuals agitate for change around? So so one of the things we've found through our Mind the Gap Pay Gap work is that when organizations actually look at their data, they learn all sorts of things. Zed Energy is, is a good example. They realized that actually because they weren't paying KiwiSaver when women were on parental leave, that was having a big impact on the money and the funds that women had when they retired. Mm. So they said, okay, well, we're going to change that. And now they fully pay KiwiSaver during that time. Mm, That's definitely a conversation that you can have as an employee with your employer. Say, hey, look, it's not really fair. Can we have a discussion around this? Mm, mm. It would be much better to have that superannuation pay during that time. Mm. To have conversations about how your employer communicates with you and sees you when you're on parental leave and how mm. they bring mm. you back into work. Because, you know, in my time, you you were basically off the payroll, invisible. You just didn't exist. And you had to come back and start all over again. There's lots of organizations now doing great connection and networks through parental leave and make it much easier to come back and don't penalize mothers who are coming back. Through our gender ticket accreditation, we work with a lot of the really best organizations in this space. So these are these are some of the things that I know they do. Yeah, and, and, and extending and topping up what the government offers in terms of, of pay during parental leave as well. Have these conversations. I mean, what have we got to lose? Yeah, right? I, to- yeah. I totally agree. Like, I think it's just put your little detective hat on. Get curious. What would make it possible to top up KiwiSaver while I'm on parental leave? Full stop silence. Like, you don't have to justify a lot of this. It's kind of just getting curious and it's kind of saying, so when I return, what are the possibilities of me doing my general manager of marketing role three days a week? How might that work? Yeah, absolutely. Like I sometimes I used to describe myself as friendly annoying. I actually think we need to be friendly annoying. And it's like, I don't think you have to kind of say, this is shit and this is not working. You just have to say, so how might it be possible for this role to be a job share? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I love that idea of curiosity because there's no judgment in that, is there? There's just like, yeah, I'm just curious about this and what, what, what it could look like. And there's that great quote, I think it's Kate Shepard actually, that, you know, rain falls one drop at a time. Mm. And each a droplet of kind of prompt and change to get businesses to go, oh, why can't we do that? 
you know, yeah. why have we not done that in the totally. past? Curiosity is a bandwagon I'm on because I think it's going to solve a lot of problems. It stops defensiveness, you know, for not just gender stuff, but other stuff that's really complicated in our society and in our beautiful land that we live in. So curiosity. They're great. Curiosity questions are great open questions. Mm. So it takes mm. you away from this polarization of right, wrong and yes, no, into just, okay, let's, let's have a conversation about that. Yeah. So Agitating for change questions, which is amazing. Finally, we've spoken about a lot of ideas, but because I'm awesome, I'm going to give you a magic wand, okay? And with a magic wand, you're even more powerful than the Prime Minister, okay? You're basically Oprah. And um, <laughs> no, what's the one thing that you think would have the biggest impact on this system, on the system that, as you so rightly talked about, punishes women in a way for their biology. <laughs> what's the one thing? What's the magic wand? How, why would you use your magic wand? I think I'd get people to think about a metaphor of a bird. And a bird can only fly and soar if both of its wings are strong. So the one thing that I absolutely would do is get the government to offer equal parental leave for both parents. I understand that might have to be phased in and all those sorts of things, but that would make such a difference. And because I'm greedy, I'm going to have a supplementary idea. <laughs> She's having two magic wands. I think that we really need to start to address gender stereotypes in the context of this conversation around parenting from our preschools. We need to get into our schools and we need to start to do audits about what are these things that reinforce that a baby girl is going to end up wearing this kind of financial and opportunity poverty because of their biology. You know, mm. we need to change that right from when our kids are little. Yeah. And that will, that will excite a lot of people because it, it will be seen as social engineering. But, you know, we need to change things. We need <laughs> to change things. We do. And if we change nothing, nothing changes. And no. I, I think that's such a good point. Like the staff gets hardwired into us at a really young age. I mean, I have clients that are, it's, it's a mum and a dad, they're, they're together. They both work. And even on a Mother's Day card that a four-year-old will bring home from daycare, it's a picture of the mum doing the dishes. And like genuinely, the four-year-old think this is a good picture, but it's hardwired. And you know, you know, at school, tell mum we need a cake. We need a cake for Friday for bake sale. I, I, you know, I distinctly remember, you know, I was in the women can have it all generation, and that defining myself as a successful woman meant I had to be a mother. Mm. Now I've really encouraged and celebrate young women who are going, actually, I'm not going to make the choice to have children. Mm. That's, that's not going to be in my future. And I go, that's fantastic. You're mm. saying I can be a successful woman, a successful human with a uterus without having children. Mm. And, and mm. I say hallelujah to that. Mm. Love it. Thank you so much, Delwyn. I know that there will have been a lot of head nodding in this conversation. I really hope that it's equipped people with a little bit more knowledge about the pay gap, equipped people with confidence around how to talk about it, but also equipped people with confidence on things that they can do, on the small drops that they can bring. Because I think we've all got power, right? And if we want to change things, to your point, for our children and for their children, 
No one's coming to save us. No. We are, we are the people. That's that great quote. We are the people we've been waiting for. Yes. And I just want everyone to become curious, friendly, annoying, and join us on an agitator for change mission to smash the motherhood penalty. And and that's an invitation for both men and women to join yes, us. Yes, Queen. We need everyone. It's a team and because the thing is, right, no one's winning. No one's winning. You know, we want everyone to be able to be their best selves wherever they are. So mm-hmm. enough of the Instagram memes. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much. It's been an amazing conversation and I've really enjoyed having you here today. Thanks, me too. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like this, please share it with someone else who's going to really love it as well. If you didn't like it, don't share it. Look forward to seeing you next time. Onwards and upwards. This podcast was funded by Works For Everyone, a business that is dedicated to supporting working parents and to smashing the motherhood penalty. If this is also your jam, let's stay connected. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for us, Works For Everyone. And if you want more information on how we help businesses put a care wrap around their employees, check us out on worksforeveryone.co.nz. Or if none of these work for you, in the weekends you can find me, Emma McLean, the founder of Works For Everyone, in the queue at Pack and Save Royal Oak or Kmart St Luke's. Onwards!